Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about being patient with our emotional pain. But before we get into that, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Being and all that that entails, you can do that at the infinitesparkofbeing.com where you can find a link to a donation page where you can sign up to donate monthly through Patreon for $1, $5 a month or a one-time donation through Venmo. The details are there on the website. Uh, there's also a link to purchase one of the two Infinite Spark of Being books. Or if you already have those books, you can also support this effort by purchasing t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, art prints, etc. through the shop link there on the site. Um, Also, if you're in the South Florida area, I talk and teach every other Saturday night at the Metaphysical Healing Institute of Palm Beach in Lantana on Dixie. Uh, I'm there from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. The next one will be on Saturday, January 1st, tomorrow. Um, I apologize I'm late. Uh, Weird week, a lot of interesting stuff unfolding, and I just literally got sidetracked, looked up, and it was Friday. Um, Anyway, if you hear explosions, things like that, this is New Year's Eve, and my neighborhood is alive with fireworks. So anyway, here we are, being patient with our emotional pain. Let's get started. start by understanding two things. One, everything is impermanent. Two, we judge our emotions by how intense the feeling is in our body um, or by how intensely our body is responding to a scenario. Remember, emotions are there to get the body to do something about something. So consider the fact that there were times in your life that you would not have done anything about your situation had it not been for the fact that there was a feeling in your body that was too intense to deny, whether it was love, hate, or even sadness. Also consider the fact that there were times that something bad happened to you or around you and you judged yourself for not having a more intense reaction than the one you had and you gauged that reaction by how intense the body responded to the event. For instance, um, someone died and you, you didn't cry or have the reaction that you've had in the past when other people died. Um, I, I think we've all been in that situation. Your mind knew logically that in the culture this is considered a sad thing, but for whatever reason, your body just wasn't really responding or at least it wasn't responding the way it normally does. So, you know, you began judging yourself more and more as if, you know, you were the one controlling all of this. And I'd like to take a look at that real quick before we move on, because I think it's an important point to consider. Um, I'm, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but there have been times that you experienced a thought or a memory that you didn't want to think about or remember, right? Well, remember, you didn't do that. You didn't decide to have that thought. You didn't decide to remember that thing. And you certainly weren't in charge of the stimuli that triggered it. Um, You know, there have also been times that you felt physical sensations, probably due to this triggered memory. 
and you didn't you didn't want to feel those either and you certainly didn't ask to feel them and again you didn't ask for the the external stimuli to occur that triggered the thought that then triggered the physical sensation um you could go so far as to say you know your foot itched you didn't ask for it uh you had to go to the bathroom you didn't ask for it so on and so forth but what we see is that we aren't controlling a lot of what the body is feeling right this is an important thing to consider and it's an important thing to notice. So back to these emotions. Uh, well, what we're seeing here is that these emotions are physical. Um, anxiety is not anxiety without the feelings in the body. Anger is not anger without the feelings in the body. Happiness, joy, bliss are categorized that way due to how the body responds. And to make this point again, there were times that great things happened, but you didn't respond as excitedly as everyone around you or as excitedly as the person telling you that you had achieved something or whatever it was. And you began judging your reaction or lack thereof, or worse, you had to defend your lack of reaction to this news because this other person began judging you for not having the reaction that they had. They wanted you to be as excited as them. Um, I've experienced this multiple times in my life. I just don't have those excited reactions all the time. Do I get excited? Yeah, but it's, it's I don't know. I'm just like that. It, it doesn't mean that I'm not excited per se or that I'm not really happy. I just don't have those wild responses all the time. And some of you can identify with this on some level, I'm sure. Um, you know, people close to me are definitely laughing right now because they know I just... I don't know. I mean, I get, see, I'm already defending myself and you're not even in the room. Either way, uh, there were times that you experienced an unpleasant emotion that was so intense um, that you would do anything to stop feeling it, right? Sadness, for instance. There were times that you, you were so sad that you did things that were extreme in order to get over the sadness. Um, I believe that one of those reasons we push to get over something or judge ourselves so harshly is because we've been told since the day we were born that we're not supposed to be sad. It's almost as if we're not allowed to be sad. Um, we've always been told that, that uh, we were supposed to be happy all the time. In fact, there may have been somebody close to you, a sibling or a friend, that everyone would remark about how wonderful they were because they were so fucking happy all the time. Maybe you were told or it was hinted at that you should be more like them. I mean, I was, that happened to me. People did that to me all the time. Well, that sends a message to us that if we want to be liked, we have to be happy. Now that affects our self-concept. And remember, our self-concept is who we believe we are based on the responses we got from others. So you can see where this all leads us, and it's not good. Um, as I've mentioned, at infinitum, uh, what the mind perceives, think, thinks of, or remembers, the body will feel, especially those unprocessed or traumatic memories. Well, you know, how does the body feel when we have the initial sensation of sadness, for instance? Um, you know, sadness alone as a feeling, right? It has its own thing. Um, it's a physical feeling, right? It's not good. <laughs> we don't particularly enjoy it. So it, you know, it has a baseline of being unpleasant feeling. 
And it's there because, you know, the subconscious mind has decided this is sad and needs the body to do something about it. Um, and a quick note on this, uh, when we feel these feelings initially, it's probably due to the subconscious mind perceiving a threat that's probably rooted in our evolutionary psychology. For instance, um, a parent dies or a friend dies, that's a tribe member and we need a tribe to survive. So it registers deep in the gut, like we feel it in our stomach and our limbs because it's you know, considered a threat to our well-being. Then we have the conscious mind stepping in with all of its judgments and evaluation about this experience of sadness. Uh, why we're sad, who made us sad, and how they could have been different or done something different. Um, all of which are programmed judgments that we've learned over time. These are your parents, friend group, peers, school, stuff like that. Then we have our self-concept. Who we believe we are based on the responses we got from others. This is a culmination of a lot of things. Either way, um, it's who we believe we are based on how everyone around has treated us. This gets really heavy. So we see that these emotions have a very large physical component. And we acknowledge that there were times that we'd do anything not to feel these physical sensations that are accompanying these emotions. Well, now what? Well, the question people usually ask is, how do I not feel this? Or how do I push through this? Um, in fact, when people talk about having gone through something very emotional, they might say something like, I just had to push through it, or I just got through it. And um, some of you can already hear the problem with that. That's a really rough way to perceive this. In fact, most people feel it's hard or difficult to experience certain emotions, if not all emotions. Um, they'd rather experience happiness and bliss, but not the full range of emotions. Well, I'm sorry, but this is the precious human birth. Don't shortchange yourself by attempting to deny yourself a good hard cry or the pain of heartache. They're beautiful and necessary. They deserve to be there. But what they require is something that we've neglected, which is patience. Everyone listening to this has experienced sadness or anger at some point and then later weren't sad or angry anymore. Um, you were sad and then you weren't. Do you really believe that it's because you, you raised hell, bitched about it, threw a lamp, and went and indulged in some, I don't know, weird, unskillful behavior. Do you really think that's why it went away? Or is it because the nervous system settled down and it did that on its own while you were busy overreacting and being foolish? Think about it. Um, and at this point, I think it's, you know, I'd like to point out that even though you aren't as mad or upset as you were, if you think about it long enough, some of these feelings will return, or at least the unprocessed or stuck feelings will. And that's something to look at. Also, if you're experiencing that, reach out to me. We can move it. We can figure something out. Um, I've been able to work with people over Zoom, which has been interesting. Anyway, for the most part, um, these things move through us. They have a life of their own. Um, do you really think you moved your heartache by finding someone else? Of course not. That's not how that works. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is telling Arjuna about 
these wise people. And he tells Arjuna that when happiness comes, they don't cling to the happiness. They experience the happiness. They allow happiness to pass through them. When sadness comes, they don't push against sadness. They don't try to overpower sadness. They allow sadness to come in and sadness passes through them. He tells Arjuna that these people are like the ocean. All of the rivers and all of the streams flow into the ocean, but the ocean always stays the same. Well, what Krishna is describing is equanimity. Um, and real quick, I believe that the next episode is going to be on the myth of forgiveness. Um, if some of you might be going there in your heads when it comes to your past traumas, etc. Uh, what I'm going to talk about is what forgiveness really means and how we get there, just as a side note. Um, anyway. But we cultivate equanimity through the meditative practice, not because meditation is a magical transcendent practice that gives us magical abilities, but because we train our attention to return and to rest in the spacious awareness that sits behind the experiencing mind and body. It teaches us to watch and not react too quickly. And when we do that, we get what? What do we get? We get space. The answer to most of this is space. The karmic loop continues because we keep doing the same things over and over and over again. Well, why do we do that? Because we haven't created enough space between stimulus and response. Once we've learned to sit, watch, and simply feel what's happening, we begin to change how the subconscious mind shows us the world. But ultimately, what this is, is being patient with the present moment or being patient with pain. Remember what Krishna tells Arjuna, we need to be like the ocean. Everything flows into us and nothing changes. And I know that's a tall order. Um, we find that patience and stillness in the breath and connecting with the breath. The breath is actual. The, the breath is now. It's, it's how we can connect with what is. The mind is there with all of its stories and all of its elaborating, but the breath just is. It's just right there. It's this moment and that's it. The future isn't here. The past isn't here. You know, those are both in the mind. They're concepts. They're data. They're not real in the sense that they're not present or happening. Um, when we learn through meditation to continually bring the mind back to this point, this moment, we train our attention to leave the past and future and to keep coming back to now. When we do that, we allow the mind and body to receive whatever discomfort is happening and allow it to pass through us without sticking or at least staying stuck. You know, and the more we work with this, the more patient we become. Personally, I find uh, my patience in the breath, in the exhale. I find it in the warmth at the bottom of the exhale. Just kind of notice that. Breathe in. And then exhale. You'll notice there's a little warmth there at the bottom. Notice that when you breathe out uh, through your nose, right, there's this warmth in your throat, kind of like in your sinuses in the very back there. That's where we rest. We don't hold it. We don't grip it. We kind of sink down into it and then breathe in when the body decides it's appropriate to breathe in. Um, as we do that, we notice things changing, things dissipating, emotional, uh, whatever, thoughts. And the more we do it, the easier it gets. But we have to be patient. Uh, be patient with the body. Be patient with the mind. 
let them have their moments. Uh, kind of think of them as uh, like kids, young kids, children. Be patient with them. Chilgum Trungpa would say, he would describe this as a motherly kindness towards yourself, right? Motherly compassion, regardless of how our upbringing was, uh, there were moments of tenderness, moments where our caregivers, where their guard dropped and we felt, we felt them love us, you know, we felt tenderness. Um, so we take that, even if it was a small piece, and we expand on it. We enlarge it to hold our unskillfulness, uh, to hold all of our impatience and all of our conscious mind's judgmental patterns. We watch the body and the mind the way um, a patient mother would, would watch her baby kind of cry and sob when they're upset, and they, and they just kind of hold them. And that's kind of what you have to do with this stuff. It, we're holding the space. Um, and this is part of cultivating self-compassion, and that's where compassion for others has to start. We have to start, we get to start within. We have to give grace and patience to our mind, to our body, you know, to our broken heart, to whatever's hurting within us. We have to, we have to get still and allow it to have its time. We have to let it pass through us. Um, it's like the, uh, the Rummy poem, Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So that's it for being patient with pain. I hope it was helpful. Um, I hope you find this beneficial. As usual, if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out. Always reach out. I'll always respond. A lot of you are figuring that out. And as I mentioned before, if you want to support the ongoing creation of the infinite spark of being and all that that encompasses, you can do that at the infinite spark of where you can find a donation page and that link will let you donate through Patreon or one time through Venmo. Uh, there's also a link to purchase the books, to purchase apparel, all this kind of stuff. Um, also, and if you're, again, if you're in the South Florida area, I talk and teach every other Saturday night at the Metaphysical Healing Institute of Palm Beach in Lantana, uh, from 6.30 to 8. This next one, uh, it's tomorrow because today is the 31st. So January 1st. Um, and I mentioned earlier, very briefly, that if you're struggling with stuck memories, stuck things that are, aren't allowing you to move forward, reach out to me and we can do something about that. And as usual, don't forget, you can always reach out and talk to me. We're old friends. Don't be weird about it. <laughs>